uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh yeah, you were supposed to be here at five. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? I am the spot. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't, don't do that. Miles's grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying Mira, to kill him? Mira, I gotta go. All right, bye. He's lying to you. And I think you know it. What's up, danger? Miles! Wanna get out of here? Oh! When? So wait a minute. There's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Right. Who's the new guy? This is unbelievable. This is the lobby. Miguel O'Hara. The whole thing was his idea. What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth 1999-99. Come on, go easy on the kid. He had a terrible teacher. Peter. Miles. Mayday. You have a baby? I have a baby. I'll take it from here. Miles, being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. Send me home. I can't do that. I can do both! Spider-Man, always! Not always. What about Uncle Ben? If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. Can't stop me now! Can't run forever, kid! I can't lose one more friend. Miguel, this isn't what we talked about! You knew? You had no idea what you're doing! Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah. I'm gonna do my own thing. All stations, stop Spider-Man! You? Let me guess, he died? Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, your intrepid crew is going to take a deep dive into the Spider-Verse. That's right. We're returning to see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Actually, we've already seen Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, and that's why we're going to be talking about it today. For those of you uh, on our YouTube channel, you'll have the benefit of some of the visual accoutrement that we have on the show. For those of you on our audio pod, well, there you go. Bob is showing his Spider-Man shirt 
Uh, and for that alone, you should go to the YouTube channel to check that out. <laughs> for those of you on our uh, model as we go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for those of you on our all audio version of the podcast, you're going to have just as much fun uh, because we're just that dapper of a crew. <laughs> Straight away, let's kick it up to, uh, well, let's kick it over to Bob since he uh, enjoyed this. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Let's kick it up to the satellite. Uh, Karen, why don't you give us a little bit of background on the movie? And uh, and then we'll just take it from there. Background on the movie. Uh, okay, sure. Um, this is a sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a 2018 film, which I enjoyed quite a bit. And I think you gentlemen enjoyed it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I have to say, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go with my pros and cons uh, for this film. Background, I can't give you the background because I don't really know the backstory of this, but I'll tell you what I liked. Just some highlights, and then we can, we can all kind of dig into our details and stuff. Um, what I liked about this movie, just like the first movie, it's absolutely... Gorgeous. It's just an amazing looking film. Um, you know, the, they've captured a comic book on the page. And that's what I really love about this movie and the first one as well. Um, the artwork is just amazing and the variety of artwork. And we can kind of talk about how the different characters all and the different universes all have different looks. And I really oh, appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I also really, really enjoyed um, uh, the different um, aspects of the characters. They really fleshed out the characters even more in this one. Um, some of the things I really enjoyed is the humor as well. Um, for me, a little bit on the negative side, as you kind of mentioned, or maybe we talked about this before we started, a very long movie. Yeah. Um, just really long. And I, I find that most films now are um, just too long for me anyway. I feel like there's things that probably could have been edited out. Um, I don't now, really... I will say this, not to interrupt you, Walker, but when you took me to go see The Fellowship of the... I was just going to... That was... Okay. <laughs> I had that in my notes okay. because I had the same feeling with this movie, not to give too much away... But I, as we were getting towards the end of this movie, I was sitting there going, how the heck are they going to end this thing? They don't have much time to wrap it up. And I felt just like the people who were sitting behind us when we saw Fellowship of the Ring. There was a guy who said, what do you mean that's the end? <laughs> and, and I felt like that dude. I was sitting there going, oh, well, I guess it's going to be continued. And, and so, yeah, I was a little disappointed that it was just one part of the story and that we didn't get the whole story. Well, yeah, well like my friend, Aaron Cooper, he got like the super duper extended mega director's cut set or whatever, the Lord of the Rings films. So he gave me his old DVD set, which was pretty much the theatrical releases. Mm -hmm. And I slogged my way through that. I'm like, man, no more. And he's like, Hey, you want to borrow the director's cuts? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I know. I was bored of the rings, but yeah, it was, it's two hours and 20 minutes, which I read was the longest American animated film ever. 
Wow. It's, I know it's, there's some Japanese one. I mean, even like be forever Yamato. That was like two and a half hours, but yeah, it's, uh, it's the longest. And it seems that way too. The longest <laughs> American made cartoon ever or animated film, whatever you want to call it. Well, I, I will say I, I, the length of the film didn't bother me. There was so much going on visually, so much going on story-wise. There were plots and twists that I won't really get into with, you know, the, the villain of the film. And some of the best villains in, in comic book, movies, animation, whatever, are those villains that are trying to fight a loss that they suffered or trying to prevent. Um, and and this that's very much a part of this story. Uh, there's growth and development for the Gwen character. I, I mean, I love how much time they spent on Gwen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the millions of spider people. <laughs> I mean, maybe not million, maybe, you know, a hundred thousand, but there was spider horse. There was, you know, a 2099 Spider-Man. There was, you I know, like the T-Rex. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and I've only seen it once. It's a disservice, you know, to the podcast, this episode that I've only seen it once. I need what to if, see this like, oh, go ahead, Walker. Yeah, we've all only seen it once. And I think that's, we were all a little frustrated that we didn't get a chance to go and see it again. Because there is, like you said, there's so much in it. Yeah. And, and the thing with, with Lord of the Rings, so the, the animated rotoscope, fellowship karen was like oh my god this is the greatest and and i was like i i I can't stand that movie i just but the fellowship i tell you (laughs) the fellowship and and i was like you know oh my god but the time the amount of time that that movie lasted didn't bother me either um i think if there's enough content if if there's uh story and and visuals and and all that. And the voice actors were fantastic. Um, I, I'm a big fan. We all are of the first Spider-Verse movie. It, it, to me, it's up there with um, Captain America, um, Winter Soldier, um, and, and the first Superman film. Uh, I think those are like just chef's kiss. Um, wonderful, wonderful films. And here's the thing. How many movies have we watched where the second movie was as good as the first, if not better. I think this falls into that category. Hmm. I mean, this is, this is up there with wrath of Khan for me. I mean, I love the motion picture, Wow. but yeah, I mean, really? Oh yeah. And then the, the whole thing where uh, spoiler alert, where miles is the prowler in the other, in, in one of the, that was actually pretty inspired. I thought Yeah, that caught me totally off guard, especially because you, when you see the spider bite him in the first movie and it has the 42 on its butt, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Is that the 42nd experiment? The 42nd mm-hmm. spider? What exactly. is 42? Exactly. And this one, they, re- they reveal that that spider was from the world, world number 42. And right. because it left that world and came into Miles' world, it was never in the other world to bite Miles. He never became Spider-Man. And then he ends up, like Larry said, becoming the Prowler. And, um, yeah, I thought that was that was a pretty cool twist. And then, and I've got to give the movie major props 
that they had to sit down and say, who's going to be our major villain for this film? And they came up with the spot. I mean, come on. No, absolutely. I mean, that's like a deep dive into the Spider-Man rogues gallery. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, where the spot? And I think it must have been over in Spectacular Spider-Man, um, where that villain first appeared. I have to admit, I didn't go and look it up. Um, but I was thinking, I don't remember him showing up in, like, uh, amazing, certainly not early on. And I was thinking, maybe it was Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I remember him from the comics, obviously. But... I never remember him being like a major villain. Mm-mm. He was always sort of a supporting. Right. And it's, villain. it's great in the beginning. I love those early scenes yeah. where, you know, Miles parents are waiting for him with the counselor and, and it's just such typical Spider-Man stuff, right? He's like trying exactly. to pressure. Oh, I got to stop this guy. The parents are waiting and he's got this villain and he's just like, this guy is like a joke, you know, and he doesn't take him seriously. And he's trying to, you know, capture him, but he's like, oh, I got to, I got to go. I got to go. And it felt so, so much like a Spider-Man situation, right? His and he was supposed to pick life, up the cake and get the cake there. And he's trying oh, to get the cake there. While yeah, he got later on. Yeah, yeah, later on with that. And I, I think that's one of the things that if I have any negativity towards the focus on the multiverse is that I think it sacrifices, it sacrifices a little bit of that personal side or the small scale Spider-Man stuff that I like, you know, like the whole idea of like, well, you know, Spider-Man has to um, sacrifice a lot of his personal happiness in order to save people, put down the villain of the week, whatever, you know, to just kind of take care of business. But I feel like with the multiverse thing that they're doing, and I didn't realize with the first movie that the multiverse was going to be the thing through the whole Miles Morales series of films um, with this multiverse thing they've kind of blown spider-man up into like this big cosmic kind of story and i i don't know i just personally prefer more small scale stuff with spider-man well yeah say well the mcu they've kind of gone backwards because they took spider-man they thrust him immediately into the whole civil war thing Mm -hmm. so suddenly he's an avenger you know he's on his way to be an avenger and then he's doing the cosmic scale going up against Thanos and everything and then they had the the Spider-Verse or multiverse and brought the other Spider characters back and everything was huge. And by the end of that movie, he's in an apartment, he's by himself, Mm -hmm. he's got his classic suit. And now it's all set up for the next movie to be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and not your cosmic event Spider-Man. And I'm actually looking forward to that. maybe aside from like having him in the Avengers movies when they come up is leave him out of the MCU as a whole for a while and just let him be Spider-Man. Yeah. I think that would be Stop thugs in his neighborhood. And then every once in a while, you know, a bigger villain will come in and he'll have to fight them and things. But um, yeah, I mean, that's the Spider-Man we all, even in Marvel comics, that was a Spider-Man we all knew and loved and yes, every once in a while he'd get thrust out of the neighborhood and he'd have to 
fight some cosmic villain or go up against the Hulk or whatever. But it always went back to he's in his apartment, Aunt May's sick, she's in the hospital. What am I going to do? I got to take pictures mm-hmm. to make some money, pay my rent. Oh, I got a cold and I'm sneezing in my mask, you know, things like that, that, um, that made him, you know, from the beginning when in the Lee and Ditko days that made him basically relatable to everybody reading the comic. Superman was like so powerful and all that, but you know, Peter Parker had his problems. Spider-Man had his issues and, you know, we lived through it with him. So Hopefully, I don't know what's going to happen in Beyond the Spider-Verse. And if they do movies after that with Miles, I don't know where that's all going to go. But I'm hoping the MCU Spider-Man at least is going to go. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, there was a lot going on. And I think they, they kind of did their best to satisfy, you know, the old fart fans of Spider-Man, the corporate fans of Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, you know, everyone's buying T-shirts, web shooters, popcorn buckets. Uh, you know, unfortunately, these characters have blown up and have become these corporate. Well, Spider-Man's always sold chocolate milk and orange mm-hmm. juice right along with Donald Duck. I mean, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I think there was enough of everything to satisfy me in this movie. Um you know, right away, Gwen's dealing with her version of Peter Parker, who's a giant lizard. And that to me was like, what? That's Peter Parker. You know, mm-hmm. um, the that whole was, concept. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Walker. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. That was really imaginative. That yeah. They take the different elements of what we know as the basic Spider-Man story and just kind of put them in a blender and mix them up a little bit. Right. Right. So you just get a different take with each one. one. The, it all comes down to my philosophy on life. Uh, <laughs> as you go down the road of life, you have all these forks in the road. Sometimes you go right. Sometimes you go left. You know, which one's the correct choice? And you never know. So in all these universes, they all go down the same road. But some of the Miles Moraleses are taking the right road. Some are taking the left road. Some are branching out from there. And so, yeah, they not every Miles Morales is going to be Spider-Man. You know, sometimes well, well apparently no Miles Morales was supposed to be Spider-Man. This was the only one. Yeah. And that was the anomaly. Look, and, and in some of those forks in the road, we wind up being portrayed by Andrew Garfield. That, that's just life. I mean, <laughs> that was interesting how they mixed in the live action in the film. Right. That was unexpected. So we got, you know, the, the different Spider-Men from the films mixed in. Um, I mean, that's the thing with all the different universes. Some of the universes are Lego universes. Some are live action. Some are, you know, animation. Which, again, I thought was fantastic. I don't yeah. want to watch a rehash of the first film and and this film to me went elsewhere i mean yeah. it was still within the multiverse or spider-verse but but yeah the the lego and and you know a j jonah version in lego versus you know, the lego version too the really cool thing about that that was done by a 14 year old kid yeah yeah, right. yeah. he he after the first film he had done some um 
Lego uh, animation of the movie online mm -hmm. and the producers saw it and they were like, wow, this kid is really good. So they contacted him and his parents were kind of like, okay, you can do this, but you got to keep up your grades and you know all this stuff. Just like Spider-Man. Oh, I got a career now. <laughs> so he was like, well, I did some of it on spring break and then I would do it every night after my homework. So yeah, he put together that sequence uh for that the film so cool. I, isn't that awesome what to me that's like those super eight movies that you know spielberg and whoever would like <laughs> right? mess around with or stop well, he was motion. like he was like the peter parker of this movie yeah yeah, yeah. yeah trying to juggle life and career and whatever but I'm like i can't go out tonight why i can't tell you because i'm sure he probably couldn't tell his friends what right. he was doing yeah. right you know non-disclosure making well, a spider-man movie he was up in canada right yeah. And I think his parents were, oh gosh, I don't want to put the wrong information. I don't know if they were Jamaican or they, but, but they, I think they had immigrated. And so what a great story. This oh, kid yeah. just works really hard and makes this Lego that's in a movie everybody's seeing. Right. That is cool. Yeah. That was one, really one of the things I appreciate with the, with the Miles Morales story. Um, and actually the, the, the most recent Spider-Man films over, uh, um with uh not andrew garfield but um tom holland tom holland tom holland there was no origin story there was no i'm in a lab i got bit by a spider they reference it in the film but it's just like we know who spider-man is yeah regardless if it's gwen peter you know miles that's well, i mean how yeah how many times do we have to live through the origin of spider-man i mean even or the death of comics it's like if they were behind schedule or whatever they throw in a reprint, a reprint of the origin. And I'm like, I got to buy this again. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, well, this is sort of the I thing know, with these films, too. Origin, you know? the, the, the thing about Spider-Man is he has now become so mythologized that like these movies are really more about not about what it's like to like, oh, I, you know, I got to go fight these villains and do this other stuff. It's more about like what being Spider-Man is. Rather than like, you know, because it's it all deals with like these Spider-Man and these different multiverses and how they're being Spider-Man. But it's not really a story about like, you know, I'm Spider-Man. I'm going out fighting a villain. I'm doing this and that and other. It's all really very focused on Spider-Man as a mythology, you know, but they don't. Yeah, they don't get down in the dirt and deal with like the origin and all the other stuff because it's they do already part of the psyche. They have those little vignettes where it's like, all right, let's do this one more time. I'm Spider-Man. And then he. Right. They get it over with in five minutes. Recap, you know, 30 second recap. Or yeah. And everyone has about a it. Cap, but. Right. Right. How many times do you need to see the planet Krypton explode? How many times do you need, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents to get shot in an alley? How many times do you need? Right. You know, There's certain name, comic name book hero. Right. right. Those comic book characters have moved up to another level where it's just an assumption. Everybody knows. Oh, yeah, that's kind right. of what happened. Even yeah. if you don't know the details, you kind of know. Right. Something like the Blue Beetle that's coming out later this year. Like nobody knows what the hell. <laughs> it's like, how did this guy well, get I mean, bit no, by no, a beetle? <laughs> I do need to see the Fantastic Four go into space and get hit by cosmic rays. Uh, yeah, I mean, it that needs to happen soon. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Whatever, whatever story, you know, th how they start that out. I I've always thought the Fantastic Four would do better as a period piece. Mm -hmm. 
you know, set back when, you know, the comic first came out around, you know, the fifties or sixties, whatnot. Um, but who knows? I have no idea what the next fantastic. Well, so I, thought, will be. I thought that was like an idea at one point was to have them in the sixties mm-hmm. and that something would happen, you know, like cap got frozen and then it was basically thought out in modern times. So the yeah. first movie took place back in world war two. So why couldn't they do Fantastic Four in the 60s? And then something happens. They go off. They get sucked up in a black hole or something. And then they get deposited to present day. And then interacting with all the MCU characters. One of the things I heard was that they had thought about having them get stuck in the negative zone. I heard that too. But then after all the stuff with like the quantum verse and everything, I think they decided uh, it's too similar to that. So they don't want to do it that well, way. They've got quantum verse. They've got the multiverse. They got the spider verse. They could hide them in one of those for decades. Hey, let, let's just hope we don't get an all horse cast for the Fantastic Four movie from the horse universe. Beta so. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Bill. Beta <laughs> Ray Bill. Will we ever see Beta Ray Bill? I don't know. Hmm, I wasn't he uh, wasn't he on the side of the building in Ragnarok? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's kind of been in the movies. He he may be out there somewhere. Maybe with Lady Sif. Who knows? He exists. He just needs to be brought in. So, anyways, um, yeah, no, I love the movie. Love the different styles from each of the different worlds or dimensions or verses or whatever they want to call them. Um, If you had to live in one of those spider verses, which one would you want to live in? It's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with the Bollywood version of of the spider verse. (laughs) Or India. Seems like a pretty fun and happy place. That Spider-Man was pretty carefree. We just got done watching Never Have I Ever on Netflix. A friend of ours got us into that. And um, uh, it, it deals with the Indian culture and, and you know, living in America. And, uh, you know, just to be in a, a world where there's a, a, a version of Spider-Man and people just break out and like Bollywood dance would be like. So cool. <laughs> I could have there is. If you look on YouTube, there are some Bollywood movies that Spider-Man is in. Oh yeah, I've I've seen some uh, of those. <laughs> There's a well anyway. Um yeah, that would be mine. How about you guys? I kind of I kind of dig the uh the whole Spider-Man noir thing. Got to go back. There be, be no color anywhere. Uh, I'm I'm fine with black and white. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would never guess with the types of shirts that you wear on the podcast uh which you can only see if you go to our youtube channel uh <laughs> i try to you know dress dapper for the podcast you know. but and and that you do but just wait until we get to a subject that i don't have a shirt on and then you know i'll have to figure out what to get in are you saying you're gonna be shirtless you don't have a shirt on well Maybe. that'll boost our numbers <laughs> for whatever given subject you know uh, I don't know that there's a particular universe that I would want to visit. I'm trying to think about how different they all are, the you art could be styles. In the Peter Parker universe and just wear a pink robe and slippers all day. Yeah, it's not so not so awesome. Um, 
let's see, Gwen's universe had all the pastels everywhere. I think I would fall asleep if I was there. Um, the spider punk universe, I would like to visit just to see, but I think I'd get a headache after a while. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd visit it, but I wouldn't stay very long. But I did like the the differing art styles. That was really interesting, especially when they were all standing next to each other and you'd see kind of like, because like when they entered another person's universe, like when Gwen would enter Miles' universe, she'd be drawn like Miles, the style of that universe. But in her own universe, then it would become that softer tone and everything, you know? So you whenever- get like little quick shots, like the Spider-Man from the 67 cartoon, mm -hmm. just swinging towards the, <laughs> had the sound effect. Stiff. The screen. Right. I think they even had the, uh, the 90s cartoon Spider-Man in there. Well, and they also, when they had, uh, towards the end, when they were trying to track down Miles and they had uh, Ben Riley as the Scarlet Spider, oh, he yeah. was drawn like those 90s artists did with the right. over-musculature and the pouches and all the crazy stuff. It was totally... They brought some of the comic artists in to do designs. Ah. Particularly, like, I can't remember who the artist was that created uh, Spider-Man 2099. But he was brought in to draw him and do the character sketches of him that would be used in the movie. Interesting. And I think probably the same thing probably was with Scarlet Spider because, yeah, he definitely looked mm -hmm. like he was right off the comics page. Oh, yeah. 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 One of the things I forgot to mention I really liked was that the villain of the film had such an impact on creating, you know, it was almost kind of like unbreakable. I, I, I gave you your powers, Miles. You're Spider-Man because of me. We're mm. linked. And that to me was, was an interesting dichotomy of, of the characters and, and how he grew stronger and stronger. And Miles started to realize this is not a joke anymore. You know, um, it, it was really, really, I just, I can't wait for the next film. I, well, I will it say also like, it was also like a loop because right as a scientist, right. He gave, Miles' powers, but then Miles created the accident that made him the spot. So mm -hmm. exactly that was that around my know. way they created each other. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't wait for the third film. Um, it, the only critique I would say is the way that this one ended, like so, ba boom, and, <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I, I did read that. The writers, they sat down, okay, we're going to write this thing. And they started all this before, like a month before the last movie even came out. Yeah. And they were already planning and everything. And they started writing it and they go, we have so much that we're not going to be able to fit it in this one movie. So that's when they decided to split it into two films. And uh, yeah, I mean, th there were some delays with COVID and everything else. Because this movie was supposed to actually come out like a year ago. Right. And then the second movie would be coming out about now. Mm -hmm. But since they delayed it, it's like Into the Spider-Verse was now, or Across the Spider-Verse was now, and then Beyond the Spider-Verse will be around this time next year, I think, March or something. But um, I also yeah, want to do a... enough to split it. So even going into this thing, then they at least knew, all right, at the end of this film, we need to do something to lead into, you know, there's another one coming. Right, right. I, I also wanted to mention 
the uh, Renaissance version of the. Uh, I was just thinking of that. The vulture. <laughs> that was so bizarre. It was bizarre. And it's a bold choice because that really mixed up the stew, you know, for me, it was just like, where are they going with this? I mean, but it works. If you think about it, it, back in the comics, Adrian Toomes, he's this old man. So he's, he is kind of paper fragile. Yeah. Except that he has everything, but. You know, a lot of the kids that grew up with the Tom Holland Spider-Man see this movie and it's like, Oh, okay. That that's this version of the vulture. That's this version of you know Doc Ock or whatever. That's part of the fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they did have the superior Spider-Man in there too, right? With the Doc Ock arms and yes, yeah. Quick, you know, and that's. Shot, but. I I think this is going to be one of those films that the more I watch it, the more I'm going to like it. Um, well, it's got to be, you know, you got to get the Blu-ray or the 4K or whatever and sit there and pause it every two seconds. <laughs> okay, what's this, yeah. what's coming up here? I'm, I'm lazy. I just go to YouTube and watch someone else's work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we watched uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the first one, like the night before we went to see mm-hmm. Across the Spider-Verse. So um, it was fun reliving that one. And I don't know. I, yeah, I've always wanted to get that in 4K just because everything is so big and bold and beautiful. But I've only been, I've been able to find the Blu-ray. But I mean, it looks good on Blu-ray, but I think it would look amazing in 4K. And I'm sure this will come out in 4K whenever it gets released. But mm-hmm. there's just certain movies you got to have. Absolutely. Got to have them in as much minute detail as you can get them. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll see. I guess we're going to wait a year or two for the. I think it's ne- next year. Is, is what I yeah. read. Okay. Maybe March so. of next year. Cool. Um, did we miss anything you guys wanted to to talk about? Mm. I mean, I, I liked the Jessica, not Jessica Drew. Um, well, it. I think she was called Jess Drew. I don't know oh, the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that version of, of spider person as well. You know, I thought she looked so much like John Byrne's version of um Misty Knight from like Iron Fist and some other books. Uh just the way she was drawn, it looked a lot like John Byrne from, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, a lot of all the different versions of Spider-Man. Like I say, that's that's especially during the chase at the end. That's where you have to pause it every two seconds because that's no kidding. That some just... version of Spider-Man will like pop up on the screen and then it goes off the other side and you only see it for like half a second. My and, brain got a flat tire with all that yeah. Spider-Man <laughs> spider person. I, like I, say, I was pretty happy that the T-Rex got into the frame and ran <laughs> for a while. That was cool. But, yeah. But, I uh, I really enjoyed Spider Ham and everybody else. Was well, like... And it was funny too because like the the Spider Punk guy was Hobie Brown. Now in the comics I used to read, Hobie Brown was the Prowler. So there's another person who, like, okay, so we know Peter Parker can become Spider Man. Gwen Stacy can become Spider Man. You know, okay, Hobie Brown in that universe became Spider Man. 
It's just interesting, you know, the variations of who can become. I gotta say, my, my one disappointment is just Peter Parker spending the whole time in the pink robe with the baby on the <laughs> slippers. And it's an interesting choice. Like at least, you know, take it off and put on your mask and jump into action. You know, he's he's a much older and more uh, mellow. Peter well, Parker. I mean, he's gotten the short shift on both films because in the first film, you know, he's he's got the paunch going and he's, you know, his back's not that great. And he's like trying to teach miles everything. And then the second movie, yeah, he found his piece. And so here he is in a robe and a baby carrier on front. And yeah, I mean, we haven't really gotten to see Peter Parker doing Peter Parker, Spider-Man things. Although supposedly Tom Holland was contacted to be in the film in a cameo. Hmm. And I think it was between COVID and things getting delayed and he was shooting, uh, you know, the no way home and all that. He's, they just weren't able to fit him in, but uh, they had wanted to. The one Spider-Man that I'm still waiting for and I'm still pissed off that they didn't include him. And they even said after the last movie that they might is the Japanese Spider-Man from Toy. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say. Leo Paldon. I thought he you were going to say Nicholas Hammond. Yeah, he was <laughs> in the uh, in the Spider Verse comics. He played yeah. a big role in those. Yeah, but he just hasn't made it to the animated films yet. Hopefully, the next one. And Nicholas Hammond. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nicholas Hammond. They say Nicholas Hammond has played Spider Man mo- more than any other actor. By virtue of how many episodes there were. Oh, yeah. However many episodes there were of the TV show. And, Not many. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there was like 13 episodes, and then there were like some TV movies. So he's probably played him, I don't know, say 17, 18 times. So Tom Holland, I guess, would be second because he's made all those. He was in the Avenger films. He was in Civil War. He was in well, his- What about the Japanese actor or do they not well, count no, that, it would be him because he had 52 episodes okay but it's and a different they... different spider-man so well, he's not definitely not peter parker he was an alien see it was funny because when toei got the rights to do spider-man that's all they got were the rights to spider-man not peter parker they didn't get or... peter parker they didn't get any of the villains they didn't get any of the supporting characters so they just had to take spider-man and just make an entirely different uh series around him which is why they like gave him a giant robot and everything else. In fact, <laughs> that's right. Spider-Man Leo Paldon was the very first giant robot in those superhero shows. After that, you know, the, all the Power Rangers and Sentai series, they all got robots and stuff. But the first one huh. was Leo Paldon in Spider-Man. Cause I just figured they, they sat there and said, well, what should we do with him? Well, give him a robot. <laughs> yeah, everybody else has a everybody robot. Everybody else has a robot. Give him a robot. And a car, too. The Spider yeah. GP7. Yeah. But I have it all subtitled on DVD somewhere. So someday I will force the family to binge through with me. <laughs> and tie them to the couch. Much like yeah, the that, I got to do it like during lunches at work. <laughs> cool. All right. Well. Um, if we have nothing more to speak of the Spider-Verse and the adventures of Miles Morales. Um, now, that begs one last question. 
Do you think Miles will cross over into the MCU? I think eventually. Like maybe Tom Holland might say, although Tom Holland's like all for doing it forever, supposedly, but, you know, he's going to get old at some point or they're yeah. going to. Yeah. Hire Peter Parker or or being the MCU, they're just going to kill him off so they can never use him again. Um, do you think Miles is going to take over at some point? I think it, it would have been cool to have seen him in the last Spider-Man film with Toby and uh, Andrew. But, you know, no one has portrayed Miles in, in live action up to this point. So I could see why they didn't do it. But if you can have different versions of Spider-Man, I'm... I don't know. Maybe there'll be a, you know, it's so hard to say Marvel between the, the Disney plus TV shows and, uh, and the movies, who knows? I'd, I'd go see it. I think miles is a interesting character. Um, I like that they gave him some additional powers like invisibility. Um, yeah. Anything's possible. Yeah. 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 So, but no, I mean, it's, He's a cool character, so hopefully, you know, he'll cross. I would like to see him cross over in the MCU, but not take Peter Parker's place. So you'd actually have, like, st- two Spider-Men. Yeah, like, a, like, yeah, well, in the Ultimates, that was the deal. It was a completely different universe with, like, the weird... Well, in the, in the Ultimates, Peter Parker got... The Peter Parker Spider-Man got killed, and then Miles took over. There's a lot of folks that would like to see, see a zombie Marvel universe as well, and there's talk of that, so who knows? Well, they had that in uh, What If. Right? What If. I'm waiting for the next What If series there. to come out. But we do have Secret Invasion coming up, like in some weeks. Yeah, so who knows? Hasn't you know? been getting great reviews from preview audiences yet, but... What do they know? We'll see. What do they know? They don't know what I like. <laughs> I, will, I will say that this film was far more entertaining than most of the recent MCU stuff. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 three I, or four films. I liked Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I liked, obviously, the Spider-Man movies and even Doctor Strange. But, yeah, and Shang-Chi I really liked. But then you get, like, the Eternals or whatever. It kind of... I don't know. We'll see what the Marvels is like that's coming out. And a lot of the TV, recent TV stuff has been just kind of the She-Hulk and Moon Knight and all that stuff. I thought I enjoyed Loki. I enjoyed uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, me too. Um, But yeah, I don't know some of the others. Now, if you hear any buzzing in the background, they're actually having an air show right across from here today so i can hear them they're starting to buzz around hopefully not too closely well if you hear any flatulence on my end um... <laughs> larry's having his own air show <laughs> and, Special and gases. That, that was an audio joke and a video joke so i i paid attention to both also, platforms so <laughs> Well, my friends, as always, uh, it is a delight to talk about um, different things on the podcast. Um, being that it's a, a Spider-Man podcast, uh, we have some sad news to share. I'm sure all of you have heard uh, the passing of, um, uh, I mean, how would you describe it? An icon. Jazzy uh, John Romita. 
Yeah. Senior um, has passed. Uh, he had a good run though. He was well into his nineties uh, when he passed. And uh, I, I believe his son said he passed in his sleep. Did yes. I read the tweet? Natural right? causes yeah. passed Natural in causes, his sleep. So, so that's, that's how I want to go. Right. Kids, I tell you, yeah. When, when my time, either that or saving kids out of a burning school or, you know, something heroic like that. You want to be my, like, mighty oh, Joe Young? I always yeah. thought if you're going to like commit suicide, you should just like light yourself on fire and jump off a tall building. No. Well, like, okay. Early. Not sure where we're going with this, but okay. Anyway. I, I, I choose the Elvis on the toilet over that one. That That's a little too spectacular for me. <laughs> I want to go the Soylent Green route where you're laying in the bed after a good meal and you're watching a video. And yeah. <laughs> But anyway. You know, I thought you were going to say you want to be eating later. Well, I don't really care what ha- I have no zero concern what happens after I'm gone. Zero. Anyone see the corpse grinders? Anyway, back to John Romita Senior. Yeah, <laughs> John Romita Senior was one of the best known artists at Marvel in the '60s and '70s. Yeah. Um, perhaps best known for his work on Spider-Man. And I indeed, when I think of Spider-Man, when I close my eyes and think of Spider-Man, I see his drawings of Spider-Man. He had, he made such a mark on that character being the second artist after Steve Ditko, but he brought such style to that character. Um, Really started out as more of a romance comics artist and uh, always drew very beautiful women, was well known for his glamorous, beautiful women. Uh, when didn't he came. He, uh, didn't he create Mary Jane? Mary he Jane did. Watson. He did create yeah. uh, the, the image of Mary Jane. He when he came to Marvel in 65, he um, the first uh, book that he was assigned to was Daredevil. Uh, right after I think it was Wally Wood left Daredevil and Stan said, ah, take over Daredevil. So he, he, he initially, like a lot of artists, what would happen back in Marvel in those days was a lot of times Jack Kirby, who was just like a machine who was everywhere. Jack would do some rough layouts because Marvel, you know, had the Marvel style of action and everything. And, you know, John Romita was a more doing the romance comics. So Jack laid out this issue of Daredevil and John came in and kind of like, oh, okay, I'm going to draw over it. Did such a great job. He was assigned to Daredevil. And one of the issues that he was doing, or maybe it was a two-parter, um, had Spider-Man in it. And Stan was so impressed with it. Then he that's when he moved him over when Ditko was, because Ditko had issues with Stan and Marvel and whatever and was leaving, moved uh, Romita over to Spider-Man and, Long, long run on Spider-Man. He the rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history. And and he would go on to draw so many characters at Marvel. Um, Captain America, um, he would bounce around and do a lot of promotional work. So a lot of times the house ads you would see would be John Romita's art. Um, so just a, a prodigious um, force at Marvel. Um, by all uh, accounts, a really sweet gentleman, very nice, uh, very helpful to people who were coming into the business. And um, yeah, did like you ever Larry see says, him at a convention? Walker? You know, I sure wish I had. I never Me did too. get I, to see him. I've uh, seen his son, but but never. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Junior, but never got to see um, uh, John Romita Senior. So. 
another, you know, this is one of the things about getting older is you start losing all of these um, people you uh, looked up to and appreciate and everything. Um, but I'm so glad that, you know, he was uh, a part of my life as a, as a child. I always loved getting a comic book with his artwork in it or a poster, something like that. So um, I'm sure we all appreciate him. And I know you guys, you know, also. Well, that, was, that was the era when I grew up with, with Marvel Comics. And I'd buy back issues by Steve Ditko and books, you know, with Ditko's art and things. Mm -hmm. But John Romita was like the artist. In fact, in those days, it was John Romita Sr. and John Buscema yep. Sr. Those were the two artists that I, I, mean, I was a big fan right. of Spider-Man and Thor. So you'd have Buscema doing Thor. You'd have Romita mm -hmm. doing Spider-Man. And I just thought, that's it. That's great. Maybe Gene Colan doing Iron Man. That was like another but um yeah i mean that whole era of artists the bullpen and marvel you know george perez and later russ andrew and that it's like that was that was my era so yeah to see john romita go in fact i was in a target a while back and they have those kind of fake canvas stretched around a wooden oh, frame yeah. type pictures and they had a amazing spider-man cover by john romita of spider-man and mysterio and i'm like oh, it's been hanging in my bedroom ever since <laughs> but um yeah i mean yeah and you'd buy all those marvel calendars and you'd buy the you know posters and everything right. else and there was always a john romita spider-man adorning a bunch of those book covers mm-hmm oh the uh the uh, folders you'd take to school sometimes oh, yeah. have his Spider-Man on it. Let's not forget. He also gave us John Romita Jr. So, <laughs> well, and I think his wife, don't... Virginia helped. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man comic strip in the newspapers. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He and Stanley did, yeah. did that. So, so that was cool. Jr. Getting up every morning, sitting there eating breakfast and <laughs> reading three panels of Spider-Man. Oh, Oh, that's over. <laughs> John Romita Sr., we thank you. We salute you from Planet 8. Um, okay, kids, this is our, uh, this is our uh, time to share treasures and things and items in our, our sensor suite. What we're doing and where we're going. And what we're doing and where we're going, and that's right. So uh, who'd like to start off? I'll do it. Okay. Okay. Locker it is. I'm so excited. I actually have new things, <laughs> uh, which is rare for me. I have two new things that I want to share. Um, and I have to thank my friend Doug, who is over on Twitter as Bronze Age Babies, because we used to do the Bronze Age Babies blog. Let me just interrupt. Um, for those of you uh, listening to our audio podcast, jump on over to YouTube. You're going to see some very cool pictures of the items that we're going to share and reference today. Take it back to you, Walker. Okay. Um, so Doug had posted that he was going to get this book, and I saw it, and I was like, holy cow, I got to have that book. So the book is The Marvel Value Stamps, A Visual History. Hmm. And so if you, you know, we've been talking about being a kid growing up reading comic books in like the 70s and stuff. Um, 
at that time, they put these stamps in the Marvel comic books and you could collect them. And then you would uh, supposedly get some sort of incredible prize or, or whatever if you got all 100 of them. So this book catalogs all those stamps, what book issues they were in, where the original art came from. It is just super cool if you were a fan of those Marvel value stamps. So I highly recommend it. And the other thing that I picked up because I'm such a sucker or maybe I'm a sticker. What happened was I got it on Amazon and they said, if you like that, you might want to buy this. So I bought the Marvel classic sticker book because as a kid, I would buy these little packets of stickers Marvel stickers that had gum. It was horror, horrible gum. Um, but you get these stickers and you could stick them all over everything. And they had Marvel characters with the most corny jokes. They've got that one was here. like the gum that you could break a window with. Oh, it was. Yeah. You, probably more <laughs> kids went to the dentist after <laughs> chewing that gum. It was awful. Like they have Deathlock here. He says, I'm the seven million dollar man. <laughs> and they've got Cyclops. He says, I'm a sight for sore eyes. So there are these really goofy stickers. The, the only bad thing about this book is that the binding is terrible. And so all the pages are like popping out. But they have all these. You're supposed to pull them all off and stick them on stuff. There's all the Spider-Man stickers. There's two that are uh, Romita right there. Nice. And the really neat thing. So you get all these stickers. They've got the cover, the corner boxes. Mm. from the, the old comic book issues and then there's like five posters in there as well nice. so i am really shilling for marvel right now <laughs> um, but yeah i would say these are super awesome books i did a short uh video on twitter so if anybody's interested you can go to my twitter like it's at walker underscore km and see my really atrocious video I made of the books. But well, thank you, Walker. And there you go. Doug over at Bronze Age Babies. Um, Chief, did you want to go next? Or you want me to sure I can go next. Okay, take it away, uh, sir. I've got some more details on our shows coming up. But before I do that, mm. um, I was over at the San Jose Super Toy Show. Mm. And I went to that instead of Monster Palooza because I was telling everybody. I just don't have the money to spend on Monster Palooza right now. So what do I do? I Would go you spend your money? Really <laughs> so I was over this one table talking to a friend of mine, Mel Smith, who hopefully will one day get on the show to talk about his becoming Frankenstein comic. But I was over there talking to him and he was sharing the table with somebody. And right there was a, he had like a Vincent Price bust, which was pretty cool. And then he had a, a Dracula, Bella Lugosi, Dracula bus, which was really cool. But there was one bus that was just staring at me the entire time I was talking to Mel and just kept growling at me to take him home. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm stepping back for those uh, not watching the uh, podcast here. Here he is. Oliver Reed from oh. Curse of the Werewolf. That's an wow. incredibly terrifying. Very, very cool. And it's very terrifying. Yeah. Wow. That's Scott. You can see the red in his eyes. He's yeah, got blood is. dripping from his mouth. Mm. I'll send some pictures to Karen so she can put them up on the site for those nice. not wanting to watch our videos. Now, was uh, that a mass produced thing or was that made? This is from Blackheart. 
which uh, mm. makes I've got like a couple of Godzilla um, heads that hang on the wall from them. One of which maybe someday when I retire, I can uh, I can go ahead and make it, paint it, whatever. But um, yeah, this is Blackheart, and it was sculpted by. I got to put the cheaters on. Um, then I actually need to get more light in here. Sculpted by Joe Simon. Mm. And then it was painted by MC Lovecraft. It was actually painted, sounds like a real name. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually painted in 2013. So wow. it's like 10-year-old bust. Dang. It, uh, it holds up. It looks great. And it now has a place in our living room because everybody has this type of decor. <laughs> <laughs> And you then know. other than that, um, <laughs> the biggest updates on the shows are we have our list of films up on the website for Ultra, for UltraFest. And uh, we also got permission to show some classic episodes. So I chose an episode each from Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, you know, going up to uh, Ultraman Leo, including the two-parter from Ultraman Ace that features Ace Killer. Um you're not going to want to miss those. And we did sign up a guest. Uh, we've got Dory Krause, who played Jack Shindo in Ultraman uh, Towards the Future, the Australian Ultraman. And he's going to be there signing and talking to fans. Cool. And then uh, Godzilla Fest, we're putting the lineup together now. So we're getting that together. Um, we're kind of, we were like this close to sign in a guest. So hopefully the next podcast, I can let you know who the Godzilla Fest guest will be. And if we sign him up, then obviously we're going to have to show all the films that he was in. And uh, we're trying to surround those with things like it's the 50th anniversary of Godzilla versus Megalon. Mm. It's the 30th anniversary of the 1990s Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And it's also, Kevin D'Antonio pointed this out to me the other day, the 10th anniversary of Pacific Rim. Hmm. So we may have to work Pacific Rim in there. And we're doing a Saturday night special showing of Gorgo. <laughs> not really Godzilla, not really Japanese, but we've got Gorgo and we will be giving away uh, brand new Gorgo action figures are about, I think, seven, eight inches tall or something. But they're really cool, really articulated, nicely detailed. And we'll be giving a couple of those away, too. So All right. Check out the shows. Go to BayAreaFilmEvents.com, and you can access the two shows. Or if you want to go direct, BayAreaFilmEvents.com slash GodzillaFest or BayAreaFilmEvents.com slash Ultraman. And uh, get all the details there. Excellent. And hopefully we'll see you in July and in August. Indeed. Make sure you stop by and say hi to Bob and let him know you heard and or saw him on the Planet 8 podcast. Oh, you're that guy. You're Ooh. that guy. Um, I wanted to give a special shout out to Stephen Patrick Lee. He is always listening to our podcast. He's following us on Ooh. Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, you know, you Amen. name it. Steve's there. So, Steve, thank you very much. At some point in time, we need to have you on the show. 
And he has a very entertaining Facebook page, too. (laughs) He does indeed. And he is a like-minded soul. Uh, So thanks, Steve, for for hanging in there with us all these years. Um, Your mission commander splurged a little. I was in Berkeley, and and there's a – used to be called Amoebas Records and Tapes. Mm -hmm. And they no longer have tapes. Well, they do, but it's a very small section. They have records. Everything's Blu-ray and DVD. But bear with me a moment. This is kind of heavy. I have been, since watching the Christopher Lee Draculas, on a vampire kick. And I picked up this box set in the shape of a coffin. For those of you watching on YouTube, I am showing it right now. Now, I come to find that there's bootlegs of this uh, DVD set, and there's a little piece of ribbon that holds the bottom together, kind of like Sven Gulli's coffin, so it doesn't swing all the way open. And each of the DVDs has a picture of Barnabas Collins that kind of, so when you open it, you kind of see Barnabas, the, one of the lead characters of the show, so for those who didn't hear while he was turning his back to the mic, it is a Dark Shadows box set. Yes, Dark Shadows box set. Now, Dark Shadows, I mean, keep in mind, this was a soap opera in the afternoons. And it would be on every day of the week for how many years? Like five or six years. I mean, so that's, that's a lot. If you get through every episode of Dark Shadows... My props to you, my friend. Well, and, and let me tell you, the first 105 or 107 episodes have no Barnabas Collins in yeah. them whatsoever. Oh, really? I was going to say, he, he didn't right. come on right away. No. I always used to just, like, sit there and wait for Quentin to come on. <laughs> a, he had the cool sideburns, and B, he turned into the werewolf every once in a while. Well, th- this thing, it was in Berkeley, and I'm like, ah, you know, my mother used to watch dark shadows when she was pregnant with me so i only like those of you listening to the podcast and not watching i was in the womb listening to these <laughs> shows and she goes back to work you know I, she gave birth goes back to work and she asks my religious very religious grandmother to watch the show for her and tell her because there was no recording mechanisms back then <laughs> So my grandma was the recording mechanism, <laughs> and would tell her, "Oh well, Barnabas, you know, resurrected from the grave," and and my mother, oh, so um, I'm like, you know, what the heck? It was it was on a deep discount. I, I was very fortunate. I actually walked out, and I'm like, no, I don't want to spend, you know, like a hundred bucks, and and I'm like, I'll never find this again. You know, you you find something out in the wild. Your first thing is to go on YouTube or Amazon mm-hmm. and it's, you know, $400. And I'm like, oh, geez, oh, let me go back and get this. So um, and it's gone half the time. Right. You go back and it's gone. And there there was shelfware on this. I mean, I had to glue the bottom of the coffin back together. It's, it's like heavy cardboard stock, but pff, no one's going to see it. So, um, yeah, but I did start binging Bob and I, I've fallen asleep a number of times. So, <laughs> but well, as, as I recall, like some episodes, almost nothing happens. I mean, nothing exciting. You know, you're not going to get like a vampiric attack every episode or sometimes it's just like, oh, it's a gothic story. And it, it's very much can only a, become the werewolf so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's very much a soap opera set in a gothic setting. Mm-hmm. And there's a governess, you know, who's who basically watching the Collins kid, this little kid. And 
Um, if, if you don't want to go through the hundreds <clears throat> of episodes and, and kids, I'm telling you hundreds of episodes, um, house of dark shadows. And I'm showing the cover for those of you on YouTube, uh, kind of condenses the story and they take some liberties. One of the hundreds cool- of episodes condensed into about 90 minutes, right? uh, <laughs> about, and, and- <laughs> Well, and I'll tell you, it, it's it's not the hundreds of episodes. It's it's the the introduction of Barnabas, and Barnabas. Uh, I haven't gotten to Barnabas yet in in the show, but just in reading, he was a reluctant vampire. He um it it, it really was played up as a curse, and um that's when the, the the series got really good. And by the way, Dan Curtis, this is Dan Curtis's first foray. No, he had a golf show. I think he had a golf show before Dark Shadows, but Dan Curtis brought us um, this, uh, the Zuni fetish warrior and the trilogy of terror. Cole Shack, the Night Stalker, the, the two films and the series. And he, you know, the winds of war, he did a lot of stuff on TV. And anyway, um, there was also a second film where Jonathan Freeze, who played Barnabas, didn't like the way he was portrayed in the first film, probably didn't like the paycheck. So in the second film, Night of Dark Shadows, there is no Barnabas Collins. So I've not seen Night of Dark Shadows, so I'm looking very forward to watching that in between binging on these shows. Um, Yeah, so I I have some other things to share, but you'll have to wait until next episode. Uh, To be continued. To be continued. And beyond Planet 8. Dun, dun, dun. Um, you know, I, never, there's never enough time where we can thank you guys for listening to us, for downloading the podcast. You know, we, we get notes online posts saying that, you know, you're, you're commuting and you're listening to Planet 8 or you're, you're going on a trip and you're listening to Planet 8. Now you can watch Planet 8. We really, really appreciate you guys being with us all these years. Um, and spread the good word, you know, uh, share the podcast with uh, with your friends and your family. And, and if we're ever at a convention or, or at one of the Bay Area film events, you know, like Bob puts on, come by and say hi. Really, really appreciate you guys. Um, that that brings this podcast to a conclusion, unless you all have anything else to say, Bob, Karen. No, I think that's pretty much it, I guess so. What's coming out? We got the Flash movies out. Oh yeah, and that's based on the Batman versus Superman franchise. So, I'm sorry, Bob. What was that? I said I heard it was mostly a Batman movie with Flash in it, (laughs) which I'm okay with because I'm I'm a big. I was going to get a Flash shirt to wear to the to the show, and I'm like, I have a Batman shirt. I don't need a Flash shirt. Well, Indiana Jones, too. I, I'm Indiana. trying to hold out some hope that it will be good. <laughs> I, I don't know. We just went through all four of the uh, the other films. Oh. And a- actually, the you know, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wasn't as bad as I remembered it. It's not a great movie, but it wasn't horrific. Yeah, we're it in the midst of doing that. We watched the first Raiders of Lost Ark the other night so oh, it's that's just such a great film i mean that's the problem it's such a great film that all, none of the sequels can measure up to it you know 
that's that's the thing. How many movies are ever as good as the first one or right. better? You know, although I loved Anna, it when they brought Sean Connery in as his dad. Yeah, that was entertaining. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, hey, maybe we'll do a podcast on Indiana Jones. Or something. Can, I'm thinking that's going to happen. That. I'm maybe thinking next, that's going to happen. We could do it. Um, okay, my friends. Well, thank you very much for, for this opportunity to share our thoughts with you. And you all take care. Stay safe. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.